When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go. Welcome to Citizen. Today we've got a very special guest. Uh, I think our fourth or fifth Canadian. I'm, I'm tr- I've been trying to keep track, but I can't remember. Um, Alicia Ward, host of the Naked Truth podcast. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm well. So I like to talk to as many Canadians as possible these days that are in any kind of media because uh, shit for you guys is quite a bit more fucked up than it is for us, frankly. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I mean, one name specifically comes to mind, but, mm. uh, you know, with Trudeau, um, things are just going in such a direction in Canada, you know, that they're not in other places. And it's been that way kind of since the beginning of 2020. Um you know, in, in a direction like, you know, when it comes to like the gun laws and things like that, mm. it's just, it's a, it's a domino effect. It seems of what Trudeau's doing and the changes that he's making and the direction that it all seems to be going. But. And where, what do you live in uh, Alberta or some shit? I live in BC. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and you've lived there the whole time throughout all this COVID nonsense or what? Yeah, well, I moved to Mexico last winter. Mm-hmm. I basically sold everything because, like, I mean, I wasn't even able to go to the gym. Um, that's when all the vaccine laws were coming in. You had to be vaccinated to go to a restaurant, go to the gym or everything. So I just decided to kind of sell everything, pack up the rest in boxes and move to Mexico. And I didn't know if I would be coming back or not at the time that I went. Um, and it wasn't until they lifted the restrictions that I decided to actually come back. But I still leave my life in a state of being able to like pick up and fuck off if mm. I if I need to, because I just, it's so uncertain where, where Canada is going in the world in general. But yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird. It's, it's, uh, it does seem like sometimes that there's some kind of global conspiracy going on. Right. But, uh, you know, the, my, my skeptical mind thinks it's probably just, power hungry people doing power hungry people shit that's you know they've always done and they just copycat each other so it seems like collusion but it doesn't necessarily have to be collusion for a bunch of cunts to act like cunts because that's what cunts do right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i mean it's it's also uncertain that it could be either either thing you know we really don't know or have any way of knowing at this point which is it's it's uncomfortable for people and it's uncertain even when it comes to making big purchases mm. people want to invest or buy a home and it's like well where what what's going to happen in the next eight years seven years that you know so that's always lingering in the back of your mind it's not like it used to be like the freedom that we had mentally before covid and all that to just make big life choices mm. like buy a house and invest in something that's kind of gone because you always have this underlying fear of like, well, what's going to happen with the banks and, and money. And, you know, what if we lose our jobs again and I can't actually pay my mortgage, then what happens? So it, it's, yeah, it yeah. creates a lot of restrictions. And you got, you guys also had an, uh, a circumstance with, um, with a, a GoFundMe where a lot of the trucker protesters had their funding stolen uh, bank accounts frozen, shit like that. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. So take me back to the beginning of this. Because uh, I remember in the U.S., February and March of 2020, it was kind of weird. There was a lot of speculation about what might happen, this and that. We started hearing from our friends in Congress uh, here that there were going to be airline shutdowns and blah, 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 all this shit pretty soon. Um and then it escalated pretty quickly and then kind of paused for a while for Antifa and BLM to riot for a couple of months. 
and then they picked back up with the restrictions, which was pretty interesting. But um, walk me through the timeline for Canada, because I don't know that we've ever done that on the show before. Yeah, so similar beginning of 2020 when the news started releasing information about COVID and, you know, I remember watching it and being curious, um, being like, oh, and it wasn't long before there was like the whole toilet paper yeah. kind of thing where everyone was going and buying out all the toilet paper and the shelves were empty and it, there was just videos circulating online of, you know, like older people having toilet paper stolen right out of their carts and things like that. And, um the propaganda really started and the fear did sink in like even for myself like i at one point stocked up on like i, I stocked up on a ton of groceries mm. just in case things shut down because we didn't know if the stores would shut down or anything at that point and obviously wasn't necessary all you know a lot of businesses did shut down but it was just small businesses no costcos no liquor stores no uh cannabis stores anything like that um, yeah, and then during that kind of break was more of our summer. So it was like they were kind of letting people enjoy the summer to some extent before the really strict lockdowns came in the fall and they shut everything down. Interesting. Um, yeah. So we went through a winter of complete lockdown. And then it wasn't until the spring again when they started to take away people's like rights to go to the gym or and the vaccination requirements started coming in so you know then it was like you couldn't go to the restaurants you couldn't go to the gym you had to have and then it moved into the vaccination id on your phone and i mean it's been nuts like and then i just decided to kind of peace out and leave for the winter and i watched it all from afar and mm -hmm. talked to my family and friends here and then kind of came back when they started lifting those restrictions which it's just everything happened exactly like the conspiracy theorists said that it would i remember being at a point where i was like there's no way that they'll require vaccinations for us to go to a restaurant or gym and in, in my mind it was completely uncomprehendable and then it happened you know and it's just you see how it works like little bit by little bit like you know at first it was like i will absolutely not fucking wear a mask and you know, and everybody was saying that. And then you see people wearing a mask at the gym because like they just want to get their workout mm -hmm. in. And it's just, it's fuck Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. not great. Um, yeah, it was, that was a surprising point as well, uh, here in the States when, um, it wasn't many places, but like LA and New York started having police drag people out of fucking restaurants because they wouldn't put masks on and shit. Or in New York, they had people dragged out of restaurants because they wouldn't show proof of vaccination, which is completely illegal. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I guess the bill will come due on that eventually. And you guys are now having some hearings, court cases and shit about uh, the declaration of emergency when the trucker protests happened in Ottawa. Now, you so uh, B.C. is is uh, historically has been a little more conservative than the eastern part of the country right is that still the case yeah it's still the case and what about the the government there your provincial head whomever that is i don't know what they're called uh but your mayor governor whatever the fuck they're called there yeah we just went through an election um to for you know for the province mm -hmm. um but to be honest with you i i don't really know what their hopes are for um for it all i don't actually follow along with a lot of that mm. very much you know i find that politics in general kind of i don't know i lost a lot of faith in them especially through this covid and just you know i think at the end of the day um it's all just politics mm. at the end of the day it's hard to trust kind of anyone or or think ahead and and think anything's going to go in one which way, you know? Yeah. So what do you do then to affect the world around you if you're not engaged in politics, just out of curiosity? I mean, like, what's your strategy, I guess? Um, I think I've always just been one to speak, um, speak my truth or speak, like share the truth, I guess, through my platform. It's something that I've done since the beginning of 2020, you know, and, and sharing openly about something that had so much uncertainty and people were so afraid of definitely got a lot of pushback much more so back then which i'm sure you're aware um than it does now but it really was the process of like 
I just knew from the minute that it started that something wasn't right and something was off and everything seemed so pre-planned and you could deep dive and go down the rabbit hole per se and find, you know, information. And um, yeah, so initially, I mean, I lost thousands and thousands of followers and was dealing with a lot of like trolls or hate or whatever for talking about the masks in that way or the vaccine passports or the vaccines in general. And um you know, back then it was like, it was hard. It was really eye-opening. Like, wow, like, why are people so offended by this? And that's got to raise some red flags. And, you know, looking back, I know like speaking the truth and obviously when it triggers some people and it causes them to unfollow you and leave, it just really creates space for a lot more people who are aligned with you um, and uh, like in agreement with you. So, um, so I see like why it's important to continue to do that and just like speak the truth and set an example for people to stand up for what they believe, not just like go along with the masses and the right. crowds. Yeah. There's something to be said for, um, saying no from time to time. I think it's a problem that a lot of people have saying no, because, you know, we're kind of wired to be more or less agreeable, you know, to develop communities and, um, to eschew risk whenever possible, you know, and then, you know, obviously social pressure and stuff. Um, as you mentioned with the, um, with the gems and the other things in public, people just want to do what they want to do and they'll accept some level of bullshit to be able to do it, which is not the right answer, by the way. I mean, you know, the right answer would have been for mobs of people to show up to these places unmasked and refuse to leave. That would have been, the appropriate response and maybe it'll be next time. I don't know. It seems like, uh, there, there've been a lot of theories and then some, uh, I guess it's speculation, but then we've seen some documentation from certain organizations that confirm that this whole thing was something like a test run to see how governments might implement lockdown procedures in the event of an actual emergency. Now that's pretty, uh, fucked up, right? So, I suppose there's the old saying, never let a, uh, a tragedy go to waste, right? But um, usually that's how it goes with the media and with government. The media wants to get as many eyeballs on their product as possible, and the government wants to expand its power or push legislation that it couldn't otherwise. But this has been this has been a particularly rough time. You know, it's like... Uh, I ask myself, qui bono, who benefits, right? That, that, that should be something you ask anytime you're, you're in a deliberative process. If you're trying to figure out who's doing something or why they're doing it, you, uh, a good exercise is to analyze the action and the, and the result of that action and then ask yourself who benefits from that result, right? And then typically you're going to find the culprit. Um, in this case, it just seems very plainly obvious uh, that it's a war game to learn how to control the masses better, which that that's not good. Right. I mean, why, why would you be planning for something like that? I guess, um, outside of just general, you know, government power bullshit, it makes you wonder about, you know, what the fuck's going on behind the scenes and what they're expecting, or if they're just a bunch of, you know, cunts that are trying to put the squeeze on us. Yeah, I mean, they are stripping power away from the people, too, by, you know, everybody who lost their small businesses, you know, they, they can't recoup from that. If they had to shut their doors permanently, their doors are shut now permanently. Mm. They're probably not getting back into it. So it's like feeding into all the larger corporations. Those are other people who are benefiting, too, right? Um, so it does. It does kind of like crush freedom for people through stripping the things from them that like gave them power and space and money. And, you know, it kind of makes them a slave to the system in some ways. So yeah. it's unfortunate. I, I, you know, definitely support and always supported the businesses who were standing up. You know, there was like one gym in Kelowna where I live that they were standing up against all this. They were fined like over a hundred thousand dollars over the course of time. And just to think back now on that, when now there's no vaccine, um, 
rules to go to the gym. You can be unvaccinated or not. They don't check that. So now that's not even a thing, but yet this small business and it's owned by people who are my age, they have still all these fines to deal with one way or like, you know, and it's, and, but there's no consequences now for like, they have to still pay those consequences, but now there's no restrictions on like whether you're vaccinated or not going into the gym, which just all makes no fucking sense. Really. If you look at things logically, there has to be, um, you know, right. Like you said, like if you follow the trail, there's people mm. benefiting, just don't care about the little people or the little individuals or sure, yeah. the mental health or, you know, the addiction or, you know, it's, it's really, you can't go back from a lot of things that happened in the last couple of years. Even if you think of like deaths of people who are in, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous and they shut down the meetings and people actually like relapsed and died mm. and nobody's talking about that type of this, the, the lives that were lost through the riots and uh, Black Lives Matters is a complete scam and they're starting to bring that to the surface and it's just there's a lot of things that can't be recouped or come back that we can't come back from and nobody's really taking responsibility yeah i always think of um all the people who uh died alone you know what i mean because their family members couldn't uh couldn't visit them i mean frankly that's the way i would want to die but I, th I don't think most people are sociopaths so yeah most people probably want to be have their family around they're dying they don't crawl underneath the front porch like a goddamn dog um yeah but yeah i think about those folks and i think about people like um emily oster is a brown university economist and she wrote this op-ed in the atlantic the other day that says we need to declare a pandemic amnesty and forgive everybody for all the fucked up shit they did like no nah, bro that's not happening i remember very distinctly over 750,000 privately owned businesses closing their doors forever in the United States. You know what I mean? Um, that's, that's a family's business. While, you know, the tech companies, Amazon, so on and so forth, got bigger. Um, and now maybe this is just, I, again, there's something called Hanlon's Razor, and it says there's no reason to imply malice when incompetence will suffice. But I think there's, you know, some stuff just happens naturally with the progression of society like bigger institutions have a uh, 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 greater resistance to economic changes to fucked up shit like this or whatever they can close their doors for a while or they can continue to operate in different spaces and pivot quickly because they have more money so maybe it's just that but it does seem like there was a concerted effort to promote larger businesses and fuck over smaller businesses right percent the the costco stayed open while smaller like more privately owned grocery stores had to close their doors and they didn't have an, an option like that's that's absolutely ridiculous and, and that's how it works like you know i restaurants and small owned restaurants had to close but these bigger like chains were able to stay open and just push out like skip um skip orders so delivery orders but like the smaller restaurants they couldn't manage that so they had no choice but to close their doors it really just put them all in a position where they had no choice so it's it's you know it's sneaky kind of like they knew if they kept them with their doors shut long enough, eventually it would probably cause them to have to make a decision on whether or not to close down because there was no end in sight. Again, mm. with that uncertainty, it's like, do we stay open and keep missing, you know, like losing money and going in the hole for the next however many months or do we just shut the doors now? And like, you know, so that's the position I put people into. And it's not, it's not fair. And so, yeah, I mean, it, in a sense, I can understand like forgiveness and moving forward, but like if people do that without anybody taking responsibility for this, then what happens the next time they come in? And, and again, nobody wants to stand and fight and, you know, stand up for what they believe because I don't think that this is the first time at all. I think I'm like expectant that something similar or worse will be happening again. Yeah. I wonder again. what the next one's going to be. I mean, uh, I, not, not whatever impetus, right? Like I, there's always going to be some, we, every three or four years we have some kind of, uh, some kind of virus that pops up, whether it's Ebola or SARS or some other bullshit. So that that's obvious, but um, I think the process by which, the community determines the actual net danger of something 
has probably changed a little bit now. People are deeply suspicious of the media and of medical experts, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, I think is good in a way because you should be skeptical of anybody that's trying to give you any kind of information. But if we do find ourselves in a situation where some of these more extreme measures do need to be taken, nobody is going to fucking do it this time. I mean, it, it'll be like the 20 or so percent of the population that's still walking around with masks right now. But most people will be like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. You lied to me too much. So I'm not going to fucking listen to you anymore. That's a big problem, right? Like eroding institutional trust makes the institution fucked. Like the, it, it, it has no credibility and, and thus no authority, right? I mean, what? it's like the way the people in certain uh, inner cities feel about police because of the police harassment that took place at some point and the promises from one particular political group uh, to help them economically. And that help never came. And then these people are like, well, I don't trust any of these motherfuckers anymore. So we're going to set up and that, that ultimately that's, you know, social nihilism is what that is. Mm-hmm. It's like people, I don't, I don't care about these institutions anymore. So I'm not going to obey them. I'm not going to participate in them. And then the institution is effectively useless. Right. Yeah, which I guess is the positive side in all of this and like the bigger picture is that without something like this, everyone would still have that trust in them. But now, especially with the vaccines and stuff and the studies and the information that's coming out of the people who have been vaccinated or the sudden deaths or unexplainable, you know, people are actually waking up and and the big thing with that is is those people who did get vaccinated also waking up and realizing that they were essentially you know brainwashed and forced to get something whether it was for work or whatever to see family and now it's putting their lives at risk and the people that they love lives at risk and no one's taking accountability for it and so that's going to piss people off and so the next time they try and and do something like that like you said like that trust is gone like This episode is brought to you by BlackRifleCoffee.com. Use the code CITIZEN to get 20% off your first order. I recommend joining the Black Rifle Coffee Club, where you'll get fresh roasted freedom delivered straight to your door. Black Rifle Coffee Company is a veteran-operated company that supports America's military, law enforcement, and first responders. They got a mission to hire 10,000 vets. They're opening up stores all over the place, and they could use your support in doing so in, in exchange for that. You're going to get the best coffee in the world. Get premium coffee delivered every month. Choose your favorite roast, uh, whether you like light, dark, medium, whatever, right? And then they have the ECS, you know, with specialty blends as well. Choose the delivery style, right? Whether you want whole bean coffee that you can grind yourself, ground coffee, or coffee rounds that work with a Keurig. And you get to choose your delivery schedule every uh, week, every other week, every month, whatever you want, right? So members, in addition to that, get free shipping, and access to exclusive partner discounts with companies like Leopold, uh, 511, all sorts of great stuff. So get 20% off your first order using the code CITIZEN. Go to blackriflecoffee.com today and get those deals next up. Ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros. You know them, you love them. They've been with us forever. Right now, Ghostbed is offering a 40% discount on Ghostbed bundles if you buy a mattress and an adjustable base together, and then anything else you buy with that, also 40% off. So if you're looking to upgrade your bedroom or buy a new thing or you got moving into a new house, you just want to do some new stuff, take the opportunity now get 40% off all that stuff. If you're just looking to piece things together and get one or two things, you're going to get 30% off everything else if you use the code DRINKINGBROS at ghostbed.com forward slash DRINKINGBROS. You can get a mattress for like 35 bucks a month with their zero down, 0% financing plan that now extends up to 60 months. That's five years, folks. They got the best beds, the best pillows, the best mattresses. Uh, the, the adjustable base is great. It's very functional. Um, the sheets are great. Everything is great. Love it. I take the, the pillows with me when I go on uh, trips now for work. So that should tell you how good it is because I'm actually paying to travel with my ghost pillow. Um, so go get those deals. We love these guys. Uh, been with them a long time. You know how quality they are. You can go read the reviews on the website anytime you want. Go to ghostbed.com forward slash drinking bros today. Yeah. Yeah, that's a weird one too. It's it, I, I don't know what it's going to look like um, when when people try when, when governments, municipal or 
provincial or state or, or federal, when they try to do something like this again, it doesn't seem like it's going to work very well. Uh, they're, they're certainly going to have to change their strategy. And I think they're still like they're frankly, because they are incompetent and use the same game plan all the time. My expectation is that they're just going to try to divide people into groups and pit them against each other. So they don't actually have to answer any real, real questions. Um, and that'll lead us into the first principle you chose to discuss today, which I think is one of the more important ones, just because it's it, it's a good way to insulate yourself from from that tactic. And it's uh, I will reject divisiveness in all its forms. Um, and <clears throat> obviously, because anybody that's trying to divide you is trying to conquer you. And I think that's pretty obvious. Somebody wrote that 3,500 years ago, I believe. Um, mm -hmm. And it seems pretty obvious still but mm -hmm. from uh you know if you're if you know your enemy's tactic and I, anybody that's trying to control you is your enemy intrinsically if you know their tactic is to try to divide you doesn't it seem like the obvious solution to that is to i mean obviously resist division but also build relationships to inoculate from division right that seems like a reasonable course of action to me yeah and you know that is the benefit to having a platform is you get to grow a community of people. Like I said, initially, yeah, I lost thousands of followers, which was really discouraging for me and almost had me questioning if speaking out about it was the right thing. But, but then realizing as soon as like those people who definitely were nowhere near aligned with me, like the things that they would say, I remember being called a murderer for, you know, creating a mm. real about not wearing a mask and people call me a murderer, which is just like, I, you think about that now and it's insanity, but like getting, letting all those people come out and then creating space for all the people who are aligned, which just grows the community of aligned people. So focusing less on what's going out and focusing more on like what's coming in. Um, Cause like you said, like divisiveness, yeah, it'll work if you allow all those people you're losing to impact you mentally and make you feel like you're saying something wrong. But if you're confident that those people leaving is for the benefit and then it's allowing space for more people to come in who agree, it just makes your community stronger and like gives people more power when they become a part of that with like-minded others. Right. Sure. So, <laughs> so yeah, those, those were crazy times when yeah. people were literally so angry at people who just thought, differently and shared that it I, it just was mind-blowing to me but yeah it was definitely hard to deal with because everything was so uncertain so it made you question your own your own sanity almost like am i like how do other people not see this when it seems so like black and white to me that there is something weird going on you know yeah what's your read on uh canada now i guess as a whole and then locally where you are is it does it seem like there's still a pretty big divide between different groups of people from the last couple of years, or is that starting to go away? Definitely starting to go away. You do still see people wearing masks outside or in their vehicles or definitely keeping like distance, you know, from other people and in, in public places, but overall it's, it's gone down so much. Um, and even from what I see through like social media and stuff, it definitely seems to have gone down a lot. I think people are just so grateful to kind of have their liberty back and their freedom and what feels like a certain sense. But I mean, Canada, like they just allow, they just lifted the restrictions to flying. So before, if you were not like not long ago, like just a month ago, if you were not vaccinated, you could not board a plane to get out of Canada or to even fly within Canada. So like that was that was huge. Like that restriction was a lot for people. Like people were driving to the border just to hopefully sneak through and get a good border agent that didn't ask for the vaccine requirement, sneak through the border and then go board a plane in the United States out of the closest airport to wherever it was that they were going. Like that was the extent that people had. And this was just like, this just ended. So yeah, so I mean, there. Are, I don't know if a lot of uh, uh, American folks know this, but a lot of people were effectively trapped inside of Canada, right? Because if you left, you couldn't come back, or you couldn't leave on a plane at all. You had to drive. Uh, yeah, you could always come back as a citizen, but you still had to do the quarantine. Yeah, yeah. But you 
could not leave. You couldn't yeah. even fly within your own country. Right. Like, and you, uh, there was a, a pretty good period, I think until September of 2021, where you couldn't drive across the U.S. border without being vaccinated as well, if I'm not mistaken, right? No, you still can't get into the U.S. if you're not vaxxed, I think. Uh, I don't know about that. That might be true. Could be. Oh, that was the case, um, but it might have got lifted kind of with the Canadian restrictions for <laughs> flying as well. But um, yeah. So you still see like, I mean, let, let's say for the sake of argument, um, if the government announced that restrictions are beginning again. Right. And it, look, it's not unheard of because L.A. has extended their state of emergency uh, until February of next year, which I don't fucking know why. Um, but anyways, what what do you what's your sense of what the cultural impact would be with people with the old like mask proselytizers mask back up and start saying the same shit they did before? Or is it going to be different this time? I, I, I'm wondering if we've learned any lessons at all, like. The fact that it doesn't permit or uh, uh, prevent transmissibility or catching the virus in the first place and shit like that—that's a pretty. Those are pretty widely known things now, and now even the mainstream media is reporting that uh, it was definitely a Wuhan lab leak. So, yeah. like a lot of these things that were points of contention before, are now not points of contention. They are just settled fact. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if people will just find something new to bitch about or argue about. Yeah, I mean, I'm a pretty optimistic person and I like to think the best of most situations. So in my mind, I would love to think that people have learned, but, you know, the other part of me knows that there's certain people out there who just kind of thrive off what the news tells them, what mainstream media tells them, and they don't really know anything outside of that. And still to this day, they might not be seeing that article about you know, it actually did was leaked from Wuhan. Like they, a lot of people probably still have no clue and they're still really following the narrative because they don't know where to get this information or especially in the older generation, they're not on Instagram and social media like we are and their algorithm doesn't show them anything about that kind of stuff. You know, it's just still showing them the propaganda um, to it to a sense. So I do think that there would be a portion of people who still were kind of blind and unaware to what's really going on as a realist. And I'm saying that, but I do think the percentage would be a whole lot lower. And I know that there's a lot of people who have taken this last two years as an opportunity to change things in their change things in their lives, get themselves more set up to or maybe buy property in another country, even move to another country. I mean, there are so many Canadians and Americans who are in Mexico and even people from the UK that were like there specifically because of the restrictions where they live. So I think a lot of people will just kind of like leave or speak up. And I think the percentage will be a lot higher. Mm. Do I think it'll be everybody? No, because they'll just be able to use mainstream media to pump the propaganda out again. Well, you guys don't just have mainstream media. You have state-run media, kind yeah. of, right? Which is, that's pretty weird. I mean, that's not something that the, although there, people are now discovering the collusion between the government and media, it wasn't always the case that we thought our media was state-sponsored because it's been very critical of most administrations, at least some portion. Um mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore, obviously. Like, uh, people look at something like Fox News, for example, and people will go on Fox News and bitch about the media and say, we can't get our message out. And they're like, well, the Fox News is the biggest watched cable news network. Like, yeah, that's true. It does about three, like it's primetime shows do somewhere around 3 million viewers. Um, mm -hmm. the, the, just the three broadcast networks do 20 million per night, oh, right? Yeah. And it, that's where most people get their news. Most people get their news from broadcast television news of a factor of six and a half over the other uh, side. And then they, uh, you know, systematically box out Fox News, which is, by the way, why any crazy asshole can get on Fox News now, because they it's it's so polarized. It's like, oh, this guy looks right and says the right shit. Come over here and say stuff. Um, it's kind of irritating, to be honest. And when I say any crazy asshole, I'm including myself because I've been on there quite a bit. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird, man. And it's, 
it's very frustrating um, for for me personally because there's a lot of uh, I feel like most people have most things in common. You know what I mean? That's why you can have paradigms like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and shit, right? It's, it's very obvious what a, a normal human being in a civilization needs, shelter and comfort, safety, security, and then, you know, psychological needs tended to down the road. Yeah. And, you know, despite how disparate some of our communities are across North America, especially, uh, everybody's kind of trying to do the same stuff, right? They're trying to first survive, I guess, and then, you know, put food on the table for their family and then try to create some kind of generational opportunity, whether it's better education for their kids or generational wealth or whatever, right? Um, and somehow we routinely allow ourselves to get wrapped up in all this divisive bullshit. Like, did you hear what this group is doing or what they're saying? Like, I, no, dude, I didn't. I don't give a fuck what they're saying. Um, if, yeah. like, if there's an individual saying something, then I will respond to it. But if it's just, if you're trying to get me to believe that all black people hate the police, for example. I don't believe that because I know more black people than you do. You know what I mean? Uh, and I've lived, I grew up in a black neighborhood. They don't think that way. As a matter of fact, another fucking research study came out today suggesting that 82% of black people in exit polling said they voted because of crime in their neighborhoods and they want less of it. You know what I mean? It wasn't even the economy anymore. It's just, which the economy is usually. 70 plus percent of people usually vote because of the economy. It's like 3% for abortion. It's all these other things are minority groups. Um, But this, this idea that somebody that has a, a slightly different culture or upbringing than you do has just alien feelings about life. Like, Oh, they don't care about their kids. Right. They can't, because they're not me. What the fuck kind of sense does that make? It doesn't make any sense. No, it really doesn't. It's uh, the inability for people to just not take offense almost when somebody thinks differently than them is is wild to me. Like when people take someone's personal values and views, um, they take it personally towards them. And it's, it's a weird thing. Like, and I don't know if it's like, you know, social media or, or whatever that has created this in society but people in general i find really sensitive when it comes to taking things personally um you know they don't even have to know you personally they can hear you say your point on something and take it personally and just like immediately decide that they don't like you and it's like they don't even know you they just know like one thing that you said so that's something that's so common i find in society today is how personally people take um things and other people and other people's beliefs and other you know other people's opinions for fuck's sakes Mm. well i mean imagine the the ego it takes to think that somebody's disparate opinion than yours one is intrinsically wrong right uh or two that it comes from a place intended to harm you and not to help them you know what i mean like that doesn't make any sense so there's there's fine lines between like, oh, this guy's trying to fucking merge in traffic. That's a little annoying. Uh, but then if he swerves across four lanes, then, you know, now it's time to escalate that situation because that's a dick move. But just trying to move through life and accomplish things for yourself and your family is not a dick move. That That's how you're supposed to behave. As a matter of fact, biologically, that's how you're wired to behave. So I wonder why. I know it's in-group, out-group bullshit and kin selection and things like that, but I do wonder why it is so easy for us to see somebody else's behavior. And this happens in the broad spectrum, but it also happens in in very uh, uh, close proximity, like your workplace. When things get particularly stressful, one of the things that usually happens in a workplace is every person thinks they're the only one doing any work and everybody else is fucking around, right? That's that is it's It's one of the most common psychological symptoms of stress in the workplace. It also happens in a relationship. Like I'm doing everything I can. You're not doing everything you can. Like, yeah, I actually am doing everything I can. Maybe we're just doing the wrong shit. We need to have a goddamn conversation about it. You know what I mean? But the the solution is always to see things from the other person's perspective 
but you don't see that in ever in the, on in any media that I'm familiar with. You don't ever see that. You don't ever see somebody like there there was Crossfire back in the day. Remember that show with Tucker Carlson for a while? I think he was at the end. I think Chris Matthews was on it. I think for a while. Anyways, a Republican and a Democrat arguing with each other about shit. Fine, that's a decent premise, but. It was never like, hey, explain your position, and I'm going to try to steel man your argument. I'm going to try to think of your argument from my perspective and make it make sense to me and people who think like me. That was never the point of that. It was just to get fiery and reinforce each side's points. Nobody came out of that show with new information or new perspective ever. And I wonder why something like that doesn't exist. Maybe it's just not flashy enough. Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. You think by now, like, that would be a niche to fill for people. It's something that allows people to open up their minds and think differently through different lenses and perspectives Mm -hmm. because it's clear now that people really struggle to do that. Um, Yeah. You know, people have to take that into their own control, though, too. They have to come to a point where they want to, like, dissolve their ego. And they can be self-aware enough to be like, why did I get so triggered at, like, what that person said on social media? Why did that take so much of my time up? Like, why am I still talking about it? Like, what? They have to have that self-awareness to, like, go within and be like, okay, why is that triggering me? And Mm. a lot of people don't have a lot of self-awareness, you know, that takes work and usually something to nudge them into that space of wanting to evolve and be the best version of of themselves. And, um, you know, I think that's, what's most important right now for people. It's not that everybody needs to learn how to like speak up and build an Instagram and go on there and speak their truth, but at least like knowing what their values are and being aware enough to look back on the last two years and maybe, mistakes that they made or conversations that they had or choices that they made that they they think that they would do differently if this were to happen again and have that awareness for themselves um have those conversations with the people that they need to and just kind of like mentally prepare themselves that way if it were to happen again you know like maybe know the resources or maybe learn more like better themselves by like educating themselves on history itself because if you educate yourself on history, you'll see similar patterns and things happening. And it just, you know, people need to take that into their own hands that way. And not always be relying on people with the platforms to tell them everything mm. that they need to know. They need to also go and do their due diligence and like learn on their own as well. Yeah, I mean, it's it's easy to say that, but there's got to be some, uh, from an institutional level, there's got to be some kind of mechanism in society to both promote and reward that type of behavior, right? And right now there's not. Like you get, you, you are promoted ahead of peers and rewarded for uh, compliance. And it's, the, it's a big issue in the American and Canadian education systems, right? So think of when, if when you were a child and you went to a parent-teacher conference with your parents and the teacher was communicating to your parents that you were a good student, right? There's some element of your effort towards the classwork and your performance in the classwork that's that's part of that evaluation. But more importantly, it's like, uh, yeah, they're not disruptive. Uh, they do their work on time. They do what they're told. They show up on time. Like these things, these classrooms are, are, are built to generate compliant workers, not to generate free thinking people, um, which is a big problem, right? I mean, it's why like Elon Musk has some fucking crazy ideas to be honest. And he's kind of a Chinese puppet in my opinion, but uh, his idea about uh, primary education where there are no grades, there are just fucking levels, right? Like if you can be, obviously you have to reach a certain level to get a diploma, but if you're in third grade and you can do 10th grade work, then why the hell are we making you do third grade work? That doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like that, that child is very clearly special and that's the the essence of free market economies, right? Is like you allow people to do their very best and allow them to be promoted based on their merit. That's the point, whether it's a, a human being or an idea or a company or whatever it is, a product, it doesn't matter. It has to work that way because otherwise this, the successful or the winner will just be engineered by people who are already in power. You know what I mean? It's like, we, we will decide that that's selective breeding. That's not like what we're trying to get here. Um, because 
when you selectively uh, 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 alter things like that, they very rarely are they resilient in nature. You know what I mean? So it's like Solyndra, the all, all not not even just Solyndra, all of the uh, the solar companies that the U.S. government pumped billions of dollars into from like 2010 until 2013 or so, they all failed because it's not ready. You know what I mean? Like the technology is not there yet. So instead of investing in research and development, they invested in companies who were trying to produce the stuff. It doesn't make any sense. And we always make this fucking stupid mistake. We always make this mistake of allowing other people to determine how things go. You know what I mean? It just, it's always a bad idea. Qui bono, right? Who benefits? Why, who, do I benefit from allowing major corporations and corrupt politicians make decisions about my daily life? I, I think that's a very easy question to answer. Um, yes or no? Like, boy, it drives me crazy. That'll lead us into the next one. So it's, um, you know, kind of a Ben Franklin thing. I will not sacrifice liberty for security. But I think uh, I, I think I may amend this one at some point because I don't think it's just security we're sacrificing liberty for now it's convenience like we yeah. we will we will allow clearly nefarious people and entities to have power over us just to not inconvenience ourselves that's really fucking stupid yeah it's not even security they use that word but it's fake security like mm. they were providing us security for something that we didn't need security from like what we really need security from is like the government and politics or whoever is in power making these decisions that are impacting so many people in a negative way. Like they created something that they told us we needed security from. They created the propaganda for it. Everybody believed, like a lot of people believed it. And so people started to sacrifice, yeah, their own freedom and liberty for that. It's, it's a, uh, you know, it's an evil genius plan in a sense that was rolled out on unsuspecting people. And, you know, it's liberty is literally everything. And that's what Canada and, you know, America too. And like, but that's what Canada always was. It's mm. like home of the land and free, you know, and it's, it's not that anymore. And it changed quick and, well, it's yeah. because you guys took it for granted, right? So you've got the charter, but you you never had a constitution. You know no. what I mean? There was never a bill. Yeah. There was never a bill of human rights in Canada, and I don't know why. Uh, <clears throat> this I, the charter was what in the seventy seventy eight or something like that. I think I don't remember exactly what year it was, uh, but that was right on the tail end of the biggest social justice movement in the history of the world, which was taking place with the civil rights movement here in America, right? Just, just to the South of you and Canadians were like, Oh cool. Yeah. We'll just do this charter. It'll be fine. Don't worry guys. Like what the fuck are you talking about? People are getting sprayed out of the street with fire hoses and chased by dogs and shit. And you didn't think it could happen to you. Of course it could fucking happen to you. Yeah. Yeah country of optimists i guess like now well hope is not a fucking game plan no it's not and if there's anything that we've learned you know it's that you need to be so much more strategic and like aware and 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 strong you know mm. and like resilient yeah resilience resilience is everything and you know i guess in the bigger picture if we look at the positives that have come out you know it will be more resiliency for people, more awareness for people. And um, as much as it sucks that so many people had to go through like traumatizing events or shutting down their businesses or getting a vaccine for like when they were totally against it, but they had to do it. You know, those people will feel this the most strongly. Um, you know, they, they will, I think they'll be the ones who push back the most too, you know? So that's, yeah. Well, we saw it with, uh, you know, the trucker convoy. And, you yeah. know, I understand for the people living living downtown in general is a pain in the ass. I, I lived in downtown Austin for several years, and I, I enjoy it, but it is there are parts of it that are fucking pains in the ass, right? So I lived in a ritzier area where there's no bums walking around, but there's still traffic constantly. And, you know, just people, construction, people obstructing your way. And for me, like uh, somebody that 
Uh, I consider myself a road rage aficionado. I'm really good at it. You know what I mean? Uh, I have a, I have a really good time. I, like, I don't really get that angry. I just like fucking say crazy shit. Cause I think it's funny. I it's for me, it's almost like a mental exercise. Like what can I think of right off the top of my head to fucking insult this person? Um, but so from that perspective, I understand why if you lived downtown and you know, peep, there's, there's more traffic than normal. I, I get it. That's, that's kind of annoying. And the horn beeping thing that started at first kind of annoying, but truck drivers are typically pretty respectful people. Um, yeah. uh, you know, because it's a blue collar job and, and in blue collar societies. So you can talk a lot of shit in a, in an upper middle class and upper class situation. But if you talk shit in a blue collar situation, you're probably going to get punched in your face. You know what I mean? So there's a bit of self-policing there. Once they figured out, I think it was like two days. Once they figured out that people were bitching about the horn blowing, it stopped. Um, yeah. but it was probably the most peaceful protest in the history of the world, which is, I mean, it's Canadian. Come on. Of course it was. Um, everybody apologizes for everything up there, but, um, people fucking lost their minds. Like they were calling these, these guys terrorists for parking on the side of the road and having a barbecue. Like that's, that's a, that's pretty strong language to use for somebody that just wants to be able to go about their day and do their jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, and feed their families like everybody else, you know, and that kind of becomes uh, the people who were complaining and, and not seeing it for what it was. It's something to be proud of for Canadians as the most peaceful, peaceful protests and the, the difference that it was making, you know, they probably weren't struggling like all these other people were now struggling because of COVID and the restrictions and the job losses and everything. So, um you know, and even when it comes to like first responders and police officers and stuff who who were working against that, it's it kind of makes you lose yeah faith in in humanity in a sense or in the people who are supposed to protect us. And you know, it really does make you wonder um, what will happen. You know, if this happens again, and and what what those people will do. Like, I'm curious what yeah, what first responders will stand up and what the cops will do. Because with that protest, even though it was so peaceful, yeah, there was still like old people getting arrested for just participating and honking their horn one time. And um, just, yeah, with the terrorism and the frozen bank accounts and the propaganda going out about it too. Um, I remember being in Mexico and watching and about the truckers protest and like literally getting emotional and feeling so proud to be Canadian and seeing Canadians finally do this. So for me, I, I couldn't understand why anyone would see it as a negative. I do get like yeah. the honking and downtown, but you know, it, it was for such a bigger purpose mm. and, and it was for everyone as a whole here in Canada. Yeah. So. That was a pretty proud moment, but it was followed by some not so proud moments where um, sworn police officers were fucking roughing up old ladies and shit. Uh, one, I, I guess there was the incident with the, uh, the indigenous woman who got ran over by a fucking horse. Um, multiple older people, women were manhandled and arrested by police just for fucking standing somewhere. Um, and this was during the emergency uh, declaration that's now uh, being reviewed. That was like, who's protecting everybody should equally protected, no matter kind of what side of the fence. I mean, that should be a warning sign to anybody. Like there's a lot of middle, like center right people and then center left people who don't really care about uh, guns, gun rights and things like that. Um, And that that's fine. So you're you're assuming that the state is going to be there to protect you. That's not an assumption that you can make, even in Canada, where we thought that might be the case. Like nobody expected police in America have had some issues over the, over the course of the last 30 or 40 years or so. Uh, and then before that, in the civil rights movement, just the way they were used. Um, but there's been quite a bit of controversy in American policing, but that hasn't been the case. The RCMPs have got a pretty good fucking reputation of, until very recently, right? Like it wasn't, you didn't expect the RCMP or local municipal police to show up 
and just fucking cave somebody's head in and drag them to prison. That's not a thing that happened. But now it's like it goes in steps. So rifles get banned and then the police turn against the population and then they try to ban handguns, right? Like that's not <laughs> – I'm not sure what you expect. Like the this is – if you put all this in a bulleted list, it seems kind of like a game plan, doesn't it? 100%. Yeah. It's not like just ironic, you know, and that's why people need to think bigger. Like, like, of course there's a plan. Like, of course this is going towards a plan and it's not just like ironically happening, you know, um, that's not how it works. It's not how laws work and politics work. Like they're 10 steps ahead, you know, they're having the meetings and they're talking about it and then they're implementing it. It's, it's not happening the night before and they're like, okay, let's take away handgun rights tomorrow. Like it's so people who can't kind of think outside of the box like that. It's, you know, it's dangerous. Well, you know, what's dangerous, what's really dangerous is to wait until the, the physical danger manifests to start fighting it. You know what I mean? And I'm not talking about violent shit towards the government or anything like that. I'm talking about getting involved in the political process and securing your rights. Like Canada had 40 years mm-hmm. to come up with a bill of human rights and it didn't, you know what I mean? And, and it's, to me, it's a, a pretty interesting parallel to the Roe v. Wade shit that goes on here in America. Like the democratic party, if they wanted to pass federal abortion laws, they could have done that at any point in the last like 50 years. You know what I mean? Anytime they controlled both houses in, in the presidency, they could have done that anytime. But they didn't really want to because they wanted to campaign on that issue. You know what I mean? Just like they're doing now. Uh, and the funny part about it is, is even if they had passed federal legislation, the Supreme Court still would have struck it down because it's a state's right issue here. It's, not, it's no different than Roe v. Wade. But anyways, it's a, it's a fun parallel to me because it's two disparate sides of the aisle and both are making the same mistake. And the mistake is what? Trusting the fucking government, right? You can't. You can't do that. Because it's not like governments are intrinsically evil or intrinsically good. They're filled with people, right? And people are fucking pieces of shit sometimes. This is the way it yeah, is. When there's money and power involved. Yeah. It's like they become bigger and bigger pieces of shit. Yeah, so you, you know, it's the reason we write these laws. It's the reason we keep track of case law and have Supreme Courts and things like this to make sure stuff like this doesn't happen. But if you don't personally get involved in the process and if the community doesn't solve these very obviously coming issues before they happen, like it's, it's very difficult to unring that bell because, one, it's you, you set a precedent now. So people aren't as surprised when, like, for example, if Canada locked down again, in a couple of weeks and police started fucking arresting people for not showing vax cards and stuff. Most people would probably accept that because it's already been done before. It's not no, it's not novel anymore for that to happen. So it's really important to stop this shit before it happens and maybe be less myopic. But, uh, the last one that you picked was I will live a life worth dying for. What does that mean to you? Um, to me, when I, when it comes to making a decision, uh, you know, in life uh, or taking a risk, I always can like picture myself on my deathbed essentially whenever that is. And like, wonder if I'll regret the decision that I'm making. And I always choose the one that I don't think I would regret. And usually that is the decision where you're taking a risk. Mm. Um, and you know, so that's how I live my life. It's kind of against the grain, you know, when I, left my relationship packed everything up sold the rest moved to mexico on my own but it was like i needed to be around people who were thinking like me and Mm. were also like looking for freedom and you know were in the same mindset of me about what was happening in their country because every day i was just waking up so fucking frustrated and it was bringing my energy down Mm. and i just like wasn't I wasn't myself and so like i had to break free from it so now like that was the best thing i could have ever did um, it, it allowed me to meet a lot of people, have a lot of big conversations, learn a lot, um, see things from different perspectives from different countries about what was happening in Canada and my country, being places where it was free and it was open, where my friends and family in Canada couldn't even go to the gym or the restaurant. You know, it, it gave me like mental strength, I think, too. So, so that's what it means to me. Um, 
doing things that I'm proud of, taking the risks, um, you know, going against the grain, thinking for myself, you know, following my freedom. Like yeah. if Canada would lock down again in two weeks, I would pack up my shit and move away again and yeah. go somewhere else and, you know, then yeah, keep sharing that journey because even through doing that for me and sharing that journey through my social, it really inspired a lot of people and showed people that you could like, like Canada was just kind of like its own thing. And that there was other places in the world where they could go and be free. And um, yeah, a lot of people made decisions to move or move their families or, or whatever. And so it's important to kind of share the truth with people because if they're just watching the mainstream news, they, they're not going to, they're not going to get that. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, I, I, sure, I'm sure the audience has had enough of me saying this, but I do say it every chance I get. If you, everything you know about uh, conservatives comes from CNN and NBC, NBC, and everything you know about liberals comes from Fox News, you are failing as a human being. That's a really yeah. bad strategy for learning about other people is to mm. listen to what their enemy has to say about them. That doesn't make any sense, does it? Like, why? Why yeah. would? <laughs> anyways. Um, yeah, there's this uh, there's this principle, uh, uh, Hindi principle called uh, Satyagraha. I, I always mispronounce it, but that's how you say it. Um, and it's the principle of uh, some people refer to it as like passive or nonviolent resistance, civil resistance. It's the Gandhi MLK Jr. situation, right? But people get it wrong. It's not just passive resistance. Gandhi made a clear distinction between Satyagraha and, and passive resistance, um, where <clears throat> the literal phrase means uh, insistence, right? Or holding firmly to, I guess, in a modern translation. But what it really means is uh, a dedication to the truth, no matter the consequences. That's what it. That's what the actual Sanskrit word means. Um, and so sometimes maybe there there is an element of nonviolence to it. I don't I don't mean to eschew that, but. Uh, it's not just sitting there and giving up or, or sit-ins and things like that. It's like, no, you hold fast to the truth, and if it costs you something, then it costs you something, and that's how it is, right? Um, so I like this. Um, I hear two different answers to this I'll live a life worth dying for question. One of them is yours where it's like, am I doing the most I can with my life? And then the one of the other ones is, uh, a lot of people have sacrificed a lot so I could be here today. So am I honoring that sacrifice? And I think this concept of Satyagraha is, is almost at the intersection of those two things, right? Because the most important thing you can be in your life is there for the people that need you. And you have to be willing to accept whatever consequences come for doing the right thing. Otherwise, nobody will do the right thing. powerful um yeah i like it i'm trying to weave it in that's why i do this show i'm trying to like i'm having a couple of hundred conversations and i'm going to do a tour at some point with to do town halls to flesh out all these principles um yeah. but that's one of the ones that i've really been focusing on lately so i appreciate your thoughts on that um yeah if you know it's uh it's not comfortable for people to do the right thing a lot of the times because it does go against the grain of what society kind of teaches you so you know speaking out on the truth and sharing that is the right thing to do you know especially for the people closest to you in your life and setting that example and leading by example but if it was easy to do then everybody would be doing this and they all would have been doing it from the start. So yeah, unfortunately, it's just this uncomfort zone for people to stand up for what they believe in or for to speak their truth or to go against the crowd. Um, and it's just easier for them to not. And I think that was shown so much through all this COVID and just choose a side and go with it. And like, if you know, and, and it's, it's unfortunate, but I think that even though somebody's on kind of one side of that, and they were there initially, it doesn't mean that with time they'll transfer over. They just didn't know as quickly as some of us, you right. know, and they had to personally lose things. So they have made sac. A lot of people have made sacrifices 
because they followed the masses and hopefully now they're waking up and they're realizing that, you know, they can take those sacrifices they made and then help inspire other mm -hmm. people through speaking out now and like sharing their mistakes that they made and, you know, what they've learned, um, I think is something big that will happen now moving forward. Maybe. I haven't seen a whole lot of these people coming hat in hand to the folks that were right about everything the whole time, but maybe, yeah. maybe it'll happen in time. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't hold my breath, but it would be, um, like instead of this dumb, dumb writing that we need, uh, uh, to forgive everybody for the evil shit they did during the pandemic, maybe you and your fucking ilk should apologize first and then we'll see. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, take accountability, that, yeah. take responsibility and like apologize to the people that you said were murderers yeah. because they didn't want to mass. Like, and that would be so big of people. Like that would be such a big step in the right direction for people when it comes to like their ego and who they are as a person and who they want to show up as for their families and for everyone else. But um, yeah, something's got to push them to make that, that big step. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna not hold my breath on that one, but we'll see what happens. Hopefully it'll happen. Um, I appreciate you coming today. Uh, tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Alicia May Ward, A-L-I-C-I-A-M-A-Y-W-A-R-D and the naked truth underscore podcast as well. It's all linked in my bio. Thanks for having me today. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming. Uh, appreciate the conversation. Yeah, it's fun. Yep. And thank you all for listening. This has been Citizen. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.